Um, today we're going to carry on with the Law of One, Session 18, received February 4, 1981, the re version. I sent the link there below. Uh, last time we went through uh, the first six questions, and a couple of big ones were 18.5 and 18.6. Uh, this is not such a long session. I think we may need a couple more times, but we'll see. Uh, a major takeaway that we should all consider uh, in the reply of 18.5, Don was asking about Jim's comment about uh, spiritual traditions that seem to indicate that self must be erased or obliterated in the material world ignored uh, for the person to achieve nirvana or full enlightenment. That's actually not a real understanding of Buddhist theory or practice. However, many people do believe that that's what Buddhism says, and some spiritual people are very self-repressive or repressive of desires. And Ross said, uh, briefly, I'm not going to go into it more than just making the, the statements, Ross said, the proper role of the entity in this density is to experience all things desired, to then analyze, understand, and accept these experiences, and distilling from them the love light within, nothing shall be overcome, and that which is not needed falls away in time, actually. And later, all things are acceptable in the proper time for each entity. Uh, <clears throat> and then basically, the key is to allow, is to first uh, recognize our desires, then to understand which of them can safely be lived in the physical world, and which of them we should do mentally, meaning we don't want to hurt anyone, so better to do it mentally. Fulfill your desire mentally if it would really hurt another or infringe on the loved one towards another. Uh, and then, of course, we have to consider the right way and, you know, if it's even a worthy desire. But, you know, Ra's saying that, you know, that, that there's no problem with any desire even those desires that are vicious and hurtful, which should not be done <laughs> if you want to be on the positive path and not bring yourself more pain and suffering. Because you, what you give is what you'll get. So you do the unwholesome actions, you will uh, pain, you know, the, the fool falls into pain. Uh, before karma ripens, the fool mistakes it for honey. But when the karma ripens, the fool falls into pain. Yes, indeed. And so... Uh, let's not be foolish, and um, let's be careful. Yet, um, knowing desires and living them as fully as possible is really important. What then must be done, however, is some kind of analysis or distilling, moving to understanding and accepting, knowing, um, reassessing the value of that desire in light of the consequences. You know, okay, I did it. Um, now what did I get from it? Maybe it, uh, you know, the desiring and the imagining was better than the fulfillment, or the consequences were hurtful, or the consequences were really great, and yes, indeed, I want more, because it's fulfilling, it's heart-satisfying. So that's the analysis <clears throat> of the consequences of the desire that was allowed. Uh, and so, uh, it's a shortcut to ignore or try to overcome any desire, and it really doesn't work. 
And it's a big issue. This is a very big issue because actually most people have learned from their parents that you simply can't even entertain certain desires. You're bad to even think them. And people are very afraid of their own mind or the darker, deep areas of mind with various desires that they consider evil or shameful or whatever. <clears throat> and as I said last time, as far as I know, <laughs> the uh, enlightened ones are very, very uninhibited. They are totally uninhibited. But they're totally um, at one in virtue. They're uninhibited, but they also have no desire whatsoever to do anything that hurts another or self. That's an interesting combination. So anyway, <clears throat> uh, if you want a question on that later, we can do that. Let's go to the new material today. Starts with 18.7. Some questions on third density, and then uh, a <laughs> very obvious uh, manifestation of third density was Mr. Alistair Crowley. 18.7, Don says, As an entity in this density grows from childhood, he becomes more aware of his responsibilities. Is there an age below which an entity is not responsible for his actions, or is he responsible from the time of birth? And this is um, a question bearing on karmic um, liability. Uh, at what age does a person in this 3D incarnation begin to be liable for uh, particularly thought, or I mean speech and action, speech and physical action, uh, in terms of karmic accumulation. Ra's view is, and says, Ra says, an entity incarnating upon the earth plane becomes conscious of self, so this is the key, conscious of self, at a varying point in its time-space progress through the continuum. This may have a medium, median, shall we say, of approximately 15 of your months. Some entities become conscious of self at a period closer to incarnation, some at a period farther from this event. In all cases, responsibility then becomes retroactive from that point backwards in the continuum, so the distortions are to be understood by the entity and dissolved as the entity learns. So I'm not really sure what they're saying, because uh, Ra's saying, Ra's implicitly equating self, the, the, the beginning of self-consciousness which can happen, which is a normally or median approximately 15 months after birth. Okay, fine. Self-consciousness occurs at a different time for each person, generally 15 months after birth. Okay, then we can say there is some response that is being equated to responsibility for one's actions. Okay, however, then <laughs> Ra says the responsibility becomes retroactive from that point backwards to birth. So what's the difference? Whatever point the person, the child, the being, achieves self-consciousness or um, this kind of initiation, inception of responsibility, it's still going to be retroactive backwards. So I don't really uh, understand why that's a matter, but um, Ross seems to say that, you know, they're still responsible uh, for what happened before, I guess. It's a little strange. If they are, if they're not, it starts or it doesn't start. <clears throat> uh, but 
the way is to then to understand distortions and be dissolved. Dissolved as the entity learns. Karma is dissolved. Distortions are dissolved. They're not killed. They're not stopped. They're not eliminated um, in the sense of uh, being suppressed or avoided into dissolution. But they're dissolved by love light, by application of love light. That's the way we get free. That's called the discipline of understanding. That's the nature of healing and balance. That dissolves distortion. And so it's not about killing the ego or squelching a desire or pretending to be a good boy and girl with a smiley face or wagging the tail and thinking you're happy or doing what Jesus did just because uh, that's what you think you should do. Uh, it's transformation of mind by loving acceptance with understanding, taking responsibility and forgiveness. Um, that dissolves karma. That dissolves distortion. And so Don follows up 18.8. Then an entity, say, four years old, would be totally responsible for any actions or against something, something, or in harmonies with the loved one. Is it correct? A little garbled, baby, by the tape. But uh, the wondering is uh, a child of four is totally responsible for actions against the law of one from that age forward or backward. Ross said, this is correct, meaning uh, the, the, the child or infant <laughs> who achieves self-consciousness whenever uh, would be totally responsible for their actions, their actions, whether they're distorted or uh, not. Ross said, it may be noted that it has been arranged by your social complex structures that the newer entities to incarnation are to be provided with guides of a physical mind-body-spirit complex, thus being able to learn quickly what is consonant with the law of one. <laughs> yeah, right, but not here. <laughs> not in this world, friend. No, not here. Uh, most parents are not too aware of the principles of love and honesty and goodness and virtue and sincerity. Um, that's why there's so many broken families and damaged marriages and the warfare goes on and on and the selection and maintenance of evil leadership. So uh, that's not what's happening here. And the guides that Ra meant were parents, teachers, and friends. So the problems on earth are problems of poor parenting, poor education, and poor friendship. Yeah, I think so. And uh, there are good people on earth? Absolutely. There are beautiful souls here. Many. Meanwhile, they're in the minority. Uh, and all you need to do is go out on the street or look on the TV or look on any website and see what you see. What you see is lots of people um, bickering or getting stuck in this or that or self-centered. Uh, and a couple of people who are really sweet and educated and really goodly and uh, world service. But the, you know, the numbers of the illuminated, illuminated with love, illuminated with wisdom and honesty, those who are illuminated with love and virtue are, are few and far between. Uh, and so, <clears throat> because the parents and teachers and friends of planet Earth, for what? Since Atlantis, 15, 12,000 years ago, um, haven't really been capable or qualified to teach love uh, and wisdom to their children, 
then uh, social structures have become the way they are now. <laughs> and so, but anyway, uh, one of the takeaways here is that uh, karma is a very, karma's a bitch, right? As they say, payback's a bitch, karma's a bitch. It just means that this is a serious matter. So uh, when you are four years old or six years old or eight years old and you torture flies or you beat your little brother or sister or uh, steal things or uh, enjoy uh, breaking things, uh, that's going to follow you uh, until that karma is uh, released or, or dissolved. Now, how about <clears throat> another distorted fellow? 1810, Ra, uh, Don asks, The entity Aleister Crowley, Crowley, it's actually Crowley, I believe, he wrote, Do what thou wilt is the whole of the law, W-H-O-L-E. And I've talked about him many times. Ra said, he, Don goes on, He was obviously understanding to some extent the law of one. That's true. Uh, the, the matter is that, that Free will. Do what thou wilt. Do what thou wilt. Do what you will. Do what you want. Follow your will. Use your will. Uh, it is my will. Uh, that's not the whole of the law. That's the first distortion. <laughs> the law of free will is the first distortion of the law of one. The law of free will is not the whole of creation, or the law of creation, or laws of soul evolution. Sorry. <clears throat> Actually... Um, creation as uh, a unified infinity of love, intelligence, awareness, power, that's the whole of the law. The whole of the law is the source of the law. What's the source of the law? The source of the law is intelligent infinity replete with will and wisdom and love and intelligence and capability. That's the source of the law. <clears throat> so, be careful, wrong teachings. But, Don says, asks, where is he now? Ra says, he is, the entity is within your inner planes. This entity is in a healing process. Cool, 1811. Did this entity then, even though he intellectually understood the law of one, did he misuse it and not, dot, 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 therefore have to go through this healing process? <clears throat> Ra gives the, the, the information. Ra says, this entity became, may we use the vibration sound complex, overstimulated with the true nature of things. Very interesting. This overstimulation resulted in behavior that was beyond the conscious control of the entity. He was out of control. The entity thus, in many attempts to go through the process of balancing, as we described the various energy centers, uh, beginning with red ray and moving upwards, became somewhat overly impressed or caught up in this process and became alienated from other selves. <clears throat> the entity was positive. Boom. Meaning at the base of his beingness, or quality of orientation at six chakra higher self level, the entity was positive. So it's a big problem living a life as he lived for a positive entity. <laughs> However, its journey was difficult due to the inability to use, synthesize, and harmonize the understandings of the desires of self, so that it might have shared in full compassion with other selves. <laughs> obviously. This entity thus became very unhealthy, as you may call it, in a spiritual complex manner, meaning distortions of the uh, six and seven, or blockages in six and seven chakras, uh, or the, the complex of head centers, 
uh, seven, six, and minor chakras associated with spirit complex energy fields associated with um, uh, dysfunctional usage of intelligent energy as it comes into mind-body-spirit or the mind-body system. And um, if you know his life a little bit, he ended up dying a junkie. See pictures of him at the end. He was dead. He was dying a junkie. You know, black magicians don't become junkies, frankly. Black, real black magicians are tight to the end. They don't, they don't junk themselves as, in, as addicts. That doesn't happen. So <clears throat> the entity was positive. However, its journey was difficult due to this inability to use, synthesize, and harmonize understandings of desires of self <laughs> so that it might have shared in full compassion with other selves. No, he was pretty far from that. This entity thus became very unhealthy in a spiritual complex manner, and, the necess and it is nece necessary for those with this type of distortion towards inner pain, that's a very technical term actually, inner pain, to be nurtured in the inner planes until such an entity is capable of viewing the experiences again with the lack of distortion towards pain. <laughs> right? Until when karma hasn't ripened, the fool mistakes it for honey. But when that karma ripens, the fool falls into pain, inner pain, like where Howard Storm went. Inner pain means inner planes pain means deep mind pain, uh, pain at the level of spirit complex that suffuses the entirety of the mind complex. And uh, and that's it. Two questions about Mr. Crowley, and it's over for now. Uh, <clears throat> now, it's a big problem <laughs> if you're doing black magic and you're a positively oriented entity at the base of your beingness. It's a big problem if you, um, if you cannot, um, well, as Ross says, use, synthesize, and harmonize the understandings of your desires, meaning your personal self-desires, um, to be able to share or to continue on your path. The problem was that he's not on the negative path. That's a big problem. He, he hated his mother, and he had all sorts of issues, and Many people <clears throat> do things like that as compensation for psychological conflict. This is a planet full of people who are hurting themselves. So, um, Ra didn't mention, you know, child sacrifice and driving women insane, literally. Uh, Ra's comments are very high-minded about Mr. Crowley, uh, but uh, don't underestimate the degree of inner pain he's in now. 1812, <clears throat> you stated yesterday that forgiveness is the eradicator of karma. This is a really important point about forgiveness. And, um, you know, again, all of this is very profound, and um, we can unpack it more. You stated yesterday that forgiveness is the eradicator of karma. <clears throat> I'm assuming that balanced forgiveness for the full eradication of karma would require forgiveness not only of other selves, but forgiveness of self. Am I correct? course you are. Uh, balanced forgiveness of self and other, Ross says, you are correct. We'll briefly expand upon this understanding uh, in order to clarify. So all that we're sharing here is understandings, right? Understandings of our desires. Understandings of uh, principles of soul evolution. Understandings of the way of working through being free of, of distortion. <clears throat> you know, Desire isn't the problem, it's the underlying distortion. And therefore, 
we may use fire to fight fire, we may uh, willingly know and experience safely, <laughs> if possible, uh, desires, in order to uncover the underlying distortion. And that's um, the part of the distillation process. Ra says, forgiveness of other self is forgiveness of self. This is the love one, of course, right? Forgiveness of other self is forgiveness of self. An understanding of this insists upon full forgiveness upon the conscious level of self and other self, for they are one. <clears throat> A full forgiveness is thus impossible without the inclusion of self, which means you're not forgiving others fully if you're not forgiving yourself fully. If you don't know how to forgive yourself fully, you're not forgiving others fully. Clearly. You can't love others deeply unless you love self or this mind-body-spirit complex that you manifest fully. <laughs> you can't know others fully unless you know yourself fully. We can say self or no self. We can say self and other self. We can say uh, mind-body-spirit complex. We can say the beingness, the being, the soul, the entity, whatever. But um, love in is the basis of love out. <clears throat> knowing wisdom in is the basis of knowing wisdom seeing without, meaning with others. Uh, forgiveness within is the basis of forgiveness, the capacity of for for forgiveness to be shared without, within without, within you and without you, meaning within the self or within what we are, if we manifest, what we manifest within ourselves, what we manifest to this one here is what is the limit to what of what we can manifest to the other one there. This one here and that one there are one. And as this is obvious, so uh, there are lots of people who uh, embark upon the path of service to others while they're still very wounded. There are some people who think that they're really good helpers while they still actually carry lots of self-blame low self-value. Um, that is a very limit, limited capacity to help. And so be careful who, who you ask for help because it's very possible that you know more than the helper or you may be more healed in some way than the helper though temporarily you're stuck in some way. So take good care of yourself because there may not be too many other people who can do it for you. So a very important teaching on forgiveness here, and forgiveness is the break of karma or leads to dissolving of distortion, uh, and that's a long discussion. Forgiveness, again, in my view, is uh, a blend, blended product or a product of the blending of fourth and fifth chakra activation, acceptance and understanding, love, willingness to feel, willingness to know, and knowing, wisdom, discernment, the seeing into clear uh, differentiation of the dynamics and six chakra greater sense of greater of greater beingness you know I'm big enough to forgive I'm big enough not to revenge I'm, I'm big enough not me but this one here so you haters who don't even like the word me you know these days the negatives <laughs> jump on everything they attack everything this is very interesting you know this is like full frontal frenzy of uh, negatives attacking in the world today. So you can't, any word you use, they may attack. 
but you you uh, <clears throat> the the capacity for real forgiveness um, comes out of some sense of our beingness. Six chakra activation. In practice, with the blended fourth fifth ray activation, unconditional acceptance, which is the basis, and um, some kind of sharp mind, sharp sharp intellect, perception, cognition, comprehension. So. Uh, yes, I was uh, beaten up by those people, and I forgive them and me, because I know about my karma, and uh, everything that occurs to me I have co-created, or I am responsible for, because I know my past lives a bit, and I know how I didn't get out of a situ certain situation, or I exposed myself to something, whatever. Um, this is a love wisdom basis for the forgiveness of other and self for that which is painful or uh, that which was undesirable, right? That's very difficult. So we could talk for an hour on forgiveness here. Uh, it's a very important quality, but it's not easily achieved, actually. So we shouldn't fool ourselves and think, oh, yeah, I forgive. That's That may or may not be. It's not, it's not a um, quickly achieved um, condition of, of awareness of true forgiveness. 1813, <clears throat> some questions. John is kind of jumping around here. Um, some questions about um, confederation. So now we go back out to space, <laughs> out of philosophy and psychology. Don says, you mentioned that there were a number of confederations. Now you can just think for a moment, ah, oh, I might think that. Oh. Okay, now we're not talking about the intricacies of, uh, you know, psycho, psycho-energetic spiritual evolution, right? Psychological energy fields, chakra, mind distortion, uh, soul evolution principles. Now we're just talking about simple stuff, like the confederation and how many and uh, this and that. And so that's the simple-mindedness of those on the negative path. They focus on um, materiality and... Um, the arrangement of material objects. This is really crude. It's play, play. You know, it's the sandbox stuff. But they develop wisdom and will, of course, by that um, focus on rearranging, um, you know, the the dirt in the sandbox. Of course, so they surely do develop. But it's not that common, you know. It really, even Mr. Crowley. So, even he, revered by many, uh, on the negative path here on Earth, was <laughs> a positive entity. That's a real problem, you know. It's a real problem. Are you sure you're on the, on the negative path, friend? So, Ra, Ra goes to the issues of confederation. Don's wondering, do all those confederations serve the infinite creator in basically the same way, or do some specialize in some particular types of service? Interesting question. Ra said, all serve the one creator. There's nothing else to serve. For the Creator is all that there is. It's impossible not to serve the Creator. There are simply various distortions of the service. All is one. The seven rays of the rainbow came out of the interplay between the one light and the prism, the one to the three to the seven, to the ten thousand things. What's the nature of the ten thousand things? It's the seven coming out of the three or the triadic uh, prism through which uh, the one light passed. 
So what's the nature of the 10,000 things? It's the seven rays, but actually it's the source, one white light, which itself came from the infinite void, which is intelligent infinity. How else could it be? So the nature of the 10,000 things, its substance is, is the one light, the one white light, which is the logos, actually. That light is the logos. Um, but the logos <laughs> has source too. The logos didn't arise out of nothing. It arose out of uh, the infinite, in, intelligent infinity, aware infinity. That's the one creator. There's nothing else happening. There's nothing else to serve. There's no one else here, as Neil Donald Walsh said. There's no one else. There's no one here but God. <laughs> there's no one here but, but the one. Then, <laughs> dropping down to more relative view, Ross says, as in the confederation which, which works with your peoples, each confederation is a group of specialized individual social memory complexes, each doing that which it expresses to bring into manifestation. So they all do their own thing based on their own um, developments of capacity by their evolutionary path up to that dimension they're in. Fourth, 40 positive groups, 5D positive groups, 60 positive groups, 6 density. Uh, based on their own specific, you know, particular line of evolution, particularly whether it was a love over wisdom or wisdom over love bias, uh, and technical versus more, um, uh, more of the sciences of mind or philosophy or psychology, uh, meditative versus um, logical, analytical. Um, uh, energetic so the differences and that's all for that question but that's an interesting point 1814 can you tell me how Yahweh communicated to Earth's people <clears throat> and Ra you know it's a small question and Ra says this is a somewhat complex question uh, Yahweh again is uh, an elder I elder six, uh, probably six density confederation positive group in contact with Moses originally. However, then the contact was lost and replaced by Orion, who said, I am Yahweh, <laughs> as they normally ape positivity, and um, gave the teachings of holy war and chosen people and smite thine enemies and I'm the jealous, wrathful God. And you can detect that actually in the Old Testament. Uh, and there are some Orthodox Jews today who are totally against Zionism and totally against uh, Talmudism. They're only interested in Torahic, the Old Testament uh, Judaism, which is really pre-false Yahweh. <laughs> the first communication was what you would call genetic. The second communication was the walking among your peoples to produce further genetic changes in consciousness. The third was a series of dialogues with chosen channels. Now, this is really heavy because uh, this is the history of the confederation group Yahweh's interaction with humanity. The first communication, what you call genetic, I believe is referencing the uh, genetic manipulation, manipulation, modification of the Martian peoples transferred, Martian souls, 3D souls on Mars, transferred to Earth 75,000 years ago. Second communication, walking among your peoples, was, uh, was I believe, um, around the time of Moses, uh, but I'm not sure. I have to look at the timeline. 
but it was, you know, what, 4,000 years ago, 4 to 3 to 5, 3 to 6,000 years ago? I think that's what they're referring to, although it may have been Atlantean. Then the third was a series of chosen uh, dialogues with chosen channels, and I believe that was the, the contact with Moses before it was co-opted by Orion. Can you tell me, referring to the first intervention, Tom asks 1815, can you tell me what these genetic changes were and how they were brought about? So, you know, Confederation is doing what they can. Ross says some of these genetic changes were in a form similar to what you call the cloning process. Thus, entities incarnated in the image of Yahweh entities. The second, uh, meaning, uh, they're actually talking about, you see, here's the thing. The first communication being was genetic. The second communication was also genetic, <laughs> but it was not um, physical. The second was sexual, physical, sexual, reproductive, hands-on. The first communication was not hands-on. It was actually done, I believe, at a higher level. So uh, the first intervention, which was genetic, uh, upper-dimensional, or, or maybe astral body, or working on the, the DNA only, not uh, coming down and uh, partying with the natives. But the first one was some of these genetic changes, they were formed similar to cloning, and so the entities, and I think they mean Martians, those from transferred from Mars, incarnated in the image of Yahweh entities. Okay. The second intervention, which was also genetic, was sexual, changing mind-body-spirit complex, uh, meaning the genetics and the appearance, through the natural means of patterns of reproduction devised by intelligent energy of a physical complex, meaning uh, coming on down and having sex. And, um, you know, the, um, uh, what, the, the gods came down and, and find the daughters of men um, fair, you know, just like in the Bible, the references of um, perhaps Anunnaki or certain groups coming down and mating and um, making, taking wives of the daughters of men or humanity, human women, and producing giants and this and that. It's very murky, so please, there are positive and negative interventions of similar type with different consequences all around the same time, it seems, three or four thousand years ago in the Middle East. There was a real real Yahweh intervention, which may have been sexual here. There was uh, Orion intervention, the genetic, which also may have been sexual too. And then there's the biblical accounts of it, which are also shrouded in um, distortion over the time span between then and now. So. It's hard to see, you know, we can take Ra as a gospel, I do, but there's a lot of detail to fill in, and the Bible has a lot to say, but some of that is distorted too, so we have to be real careful. And um, these were the first two interventions, and the third was some dialogues. Uh, Don wants to know more. It's 1817. Can you tell me the difference between sexual programming prior to Yahweh's intervention and after intervention? Actually, that's not pretty well phrased. The point is, Don was trying to, you know, it's not easy to figure this out on the fly, you know, when this is just coming in, in during the, the channeling session 30 years ago. 
I think what was unclear to Don was that both the first and second interventions were genetic, but of different types of genetic. And one was physical sexual, one was cloning DNA manipulation. Uh, and Ross says um, something, uh, this is a question about the differences or something prior to, or differences of, you know, it's a confused question about types of um, genetic intervention, sexual programming, something before or after Yahweh's intervention. Ross said, we, this is a question which we can only answer by stating that intervention by genetic means is the same no matter what the source of this change, meaning whether you, whether we're working on uh, DNA um, etheric patterns, patterns of etheric uh, DNA sequence in the etheric, from the spirit level, from the spirit complex level, working through um, the, the template, working on the template at the etheric body that'll come down to physical genetics, or walking among you, among you making love, you know, having a sexual interaction, whatever either form leads to the same result, meaning genetic modification, whatever the source, whether it's higher dimensional technical or 3D physical. Um, physical. Uh, can you tell me the purpose, Yahweh's purpose in making the genetic sexual changes? And you see, this is, um, again, um, not only a curious uh, oddity or curiosity, curio of uh, metaphysical history or historical metaphysics uh, or secret history uh, to understand the roots of humanity. Uh, but this, this um, detailed discussion helps us understand why it is that humans are the way they are today. Uh, there's been a lot of modification here. There's been a lot done. This is a patchwork uh, social complex. This is a patched up, you know, multiple times patched system here. Can you tell me Yahweh's purpose in making genetic sexual changes? Well, the first, uh, that would be the, section, the second intervention, but they were both. Ross says, the purpose of 75,000 years ago meaning the purpose 75,000 years ago, um, as you measure time, or the subsequent, the changes subsequent to that time were one purpose only. So there are two, again. The first genetic intervention was cloning type 75,000 years ago. The second genetic intervention was sexual, reproductive, physical interaction type, and that was the changes subsequent to the 75,000 years ago. First intervention of one purpose only, to express in mind-body complex, in mind-body, not spirit, but to work on the mind-body, to express in mind-body complex those characteristics which would lead to further and more speedy development of the spiritual complex. So, uh, and, and Ra explains that in 1819, these characteristics leading to more spiritual development or development of spiritual complex. So, you know, Don, Ra is so much more technical than Don, and more than us normally, um, Don, what Don calls spiritual development, which we can say, oh, spiritual development, which I do, <laughs> I say that, but that's really a, a kind of a loose term. Uh, within spiritual development is development of mind and body. Uh, body doesn't mean physical body exercising, it means actually the uh, energy body and the deeper levels of body process, uh, which are um, balancing and not about uh, 
you know, muscle mass. <laughs> uh, that's also part of spiritual development. Ra's talking about here is particularly the development of the spiritual complex, not necessarily, um, they, they were made changes of mind and body uh, so that those, the improved conditions of mind and body would it themselves facilitate or catalyze more speedy development of spiritual complex, meaning the higher chakras, actually. And what are those characteristics? And Ra explains, 1819, the characteristics which were encouraged by the genetic intervention included sensitivity of all the physical senses to sharpen the experiences and strengthening of the mind complex in order to promote the ability to analyze those experiences, these experiences. So there's an increased sensitization of the body, of senses, increased um, sense, sensory uh, activation, sharper senses, and then to also strengthening of the mind complex and the capacities for analysis and uh, comprehension, logical, uh, logical critical thought. And um, some races, some people have that more than others. Uh, 1820, and we'll get to questions here, we're almost at the end. Uh, when did Yahweh act to perform the genetic sex, the genetic changes that Yahweh performed? So, you know, Don's trying to find his way here. It's very difficult because there are different interventions that are similar. Raw answers. Uh, the Yahweh group worked with those of the planet Mars 75,000 years ago, and that was the cloning process. And there's some, the whole thing in brackets here. I'm not sure why. There are differences, but they lie in the future of your time-space continuum. You cannot break the free will law of confusion. Meaning, okay... The first Yahweh intervention, as I said, 75,000 years ago, with those transferred from Mars, not exactly cloning, but similar to cloning, and they can't talk about it. The second uh, was actually 3,600 years ago, and as I said, 3,600 years ago, uh, this time of attempts by those of Orion group, so this is now raw, maybe actually putting, using the, the intervention of Orion false Yahweh as the second Orion intervention, I have a second uh, Yahweh intervention, it's a little, it's very, you have to pick this apart here, but the second intervention, which was sexual, was 3,600 years ago approximately, and that was also, it seems, the time of attempts by Orion group, yeah, during the social, during this cultural complex, meaning in the same Middle Eastern um, societies, and was a series of interaction of encounters in which the ones of Anak, Anunnaki, or Anak, Urak, maybe Iraq, uh -huh, maybe Iraq, yes, Iraq area, Inak, Anak, Iraq, were impregnated with the new genetic coding by your physical complex means, meaning sexual, so that organisms would be larger and stronger. <clears throat> and that may be, um, you know, I believe that there was both Confederation and Orion genetic sexual modification at that time. The ones of Orion were trying to make big bodies with a strong mind, and I think that's what led to the giants of that time. And here we go, 1821. Don asks, why do they want larger or stronger organisms? And here, 
Uh, we're getting into the, we'll get through this and then take questions. Uh, the ones of Yahweh. So again, we're, 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 um, we have two hands going on here. On the right hand, you've got real Yahweh. On the left hand, you've got Orion 40 negative. Uh, they're both working on humanity in the Middle East at the same time. And this just so happens to be the group that came from Mars, so it seems. Uh, and this is the beginning of the, the Middle Eastern problem, uh, <laughs> which is still ongoing. Uh, basically, the Semitic issue, the issue of Semitism on Earth. Uh, the ones of Yahweh, the real Yahweh, were attempting to create an understanding of the law of one by creating mind-body complexes, meaning working on mind-body only, capable of grasping the law of one. <laughs> so, creating understanding of reality, unity, by uh, creating or modifying mind and body so that mind and body people could grasp it and understand it. So, this is kind of circular. The experiment was a decided failure from the view of the desired distortions due to the fact that rather than assimilating the law of one, it was a great temptation to consider the so-called social complex or sub-complex uh, as elite or different or better than other selves. This one of the techniques of service to self. And so, well, look at that. Another decided failure. Another decided failure from the Confederation. Uh, as with uh, transfers, technical transfers to Atlantis, as with uh, technical transfers uh, to the Giza pyramid complex and all that, as with technical transfers to Einstein and Tesla's angelic uh, offering. Isn't that interesting? Something going on here. Uh, please take note. Somebody needs to go back to, to the ashram. So it was a great temptation. So what happened was um, uh, the people who were modified uh, in Anak, I mean, again, there was Orion intervention and Yahweh, true Yahweh at the same time. Uh, there is some view that Anunnaki is sort of the negative group from Orion. On the other hand, uh, the documents we're working with are quite distorted and, and hard to discern who's who and which is positive and which is negative, which is extraterrestrial, which intervention was at what time from who and led to what. But you can just see there was a lot going on. And what happened was uh, the ones of Anak impregnated with new genetic coding, with now larger and stronger organisms, uh, the improvement of mind-body complexes, mind and body, uh, led them to consider themselves elite, better, different than other selves, different, better than other selves, and they moved over the self. Okay, and Don follows up. Don stays tight with these questions, which is good because it helps us here. Then the Orion group, uh, Orion group produced this more larger body to complex to create an elite. So this law of one would be applied in what we call the negative sense, meaning uh, was Orion doing its intervention at that time for the purpose of helping them, <laughs> encouraging them to feel superior, elite to others? This is incorrect. No, that was not um, that was not the doing of Orion. 
the entities of Yahweh were responsible for this procedure in isolated cases as experiments in combating the Orion group. Well, once you're at that point, the whole thing is really a, a flop. So I don't know, you know, folks, um, I'm a little disappointed in the Confederation, and I, I really think um, there's, there's some... <laughs> I think you've got issues, and I think you need to really confront your issues with the counselor. So I really think, you know, this is like, um, you know, this is like the, um, the uh, hidden drunk who, um, you know, he, he's, he's very capable, uh, he's a good father, more or less, but he's really got an alcohol problem. Uh, he's really got a problem with intervention. You, this, this confederation history on this planet is not very uh, admirable. It's not really, you know, they, they did what they could, but, and the, and, the, and the Council of Saturn signed off on it all. Okay, but um, it, there's a lot of misguided intervention and a lot of naivete in, in, <laughs> in action. So, uh, the, the entities of Yahweh were responsible for this procedure, the sexual intervention, their second intervention, in isolated cases as experiments in combating the Orion group, which was doing the same thing. However, the Orion, goes on, the Orion group were able to use this distortion of mind-body complex to inculcate, teach, the thoughts of the elite rather than concentrations upon the learned teaching of oneness. So you see... You know, if you're too pure, you cannot understand distortion. So that's why we're here. <laughs> we're here to roll in the mud and um, learn the nature of mud, learn the nature of distortion, to distill the essence of distortion so as to better help uh, uh, our group, our confederation, uh, do planetary service, world service to the groups of repeat, these groups, this group of repeaters in the future when they're off back on other 3D planets um, not yet uh, having gotten out of 3D. Ra, you know, you can just see the way Ra talks. You know, they're very, they're like angelics. You know, angelics are um, you know, beauteous, and magnificent, um, you know, glorious, and um, they're not so familiar with um, tangled webs of mind distortion understandably so the Orion group used the um, strengthened mind-body complexes of the Anak group to inculcate thoughts of the elite uh, and so to lead them to serve the self uh, you are the chosen people you are the elite you are the uh, you know you are the ones who are designed to conquer the earth and so, Don's a little confused here. Was Yahweh then of the Confederation? Of course, as Ra said that before. But you see, Ra is using the word Yahweh as the real Yahweh from Confederation and then the fake Yahweh, which was Orion's co-optation of the name to Moses. Ra, 20, 1823, Yahweh was of the Confederation what was mistaken. Here we go again. Mistaken in its attempts to aid. I think they need to quarantine themselves. <laughs> so they need to quarantine this group of souls much more strongly from both Orion and direct 
um, physical, material, technical uh, transfer from Confederation. Both. Both need to be embargoed uh, to a larger extent in the future. You know, th this is a psychiatric ward. Okay? This is a psychiatric ward. And you really have to be careful what you do because the patients are really delicate. And allowing so much Orion, even this much, and Orion allowing so much uh, confederation and balancing, which often is just perverted by Orion, leads to more trouble. Um, I understand why that's done. The Logos needs to bring um, certain catalysts into this group. Uh, it, this is for future, future three disciples. But the confederation shouldn't, um, they should be able to know, they should know better than to um, get involved in things that are going to lead to regret. <laughs> so, uh, 1824, and then we'll try to end in just two questions here. Uh, Don goes on, then Yahweh's communications did not help or did not create what Yahweh wished for them to create. So this is actually reference to the third intervention, which was communications, after their sexual second sec, sexual intervention, second, or sexual genetic modification intervention, which was the second, which was partly done in combating or balancing what was being done by Orion uh, at the same time with genetic sexual. So it was very complicated. And... Uh, as to communications, Ross says, the results of this interaction were quite mixed. Where the entities were of a vibrational sum characteristic which embraced oneness, the manipulations of Yahweh were very useful, meaning positive, real Yahweh really helped. Uh, wherein the entities of free will had chosen a less positively oriented configuration of some total vibratory complex, meaning a less positively oriented configuration of some total vibratory complex. Some total vibratory complex means the uh, summation of the totality of the seven-ray chakra energetic system. Less positively oriented or more positively oriented is the direction of will. Uh, in the case where the people of free will were less positive or negative, those of the Orion group were able, for the first time, to make serious inroads upon the consciousness of the planetary complex. This is actually a heavy statement. For the first time, they made serious inroads. Serious inroads is a serious phrasing of, a, of this. <laughs> That's a serious way of phrasing the sentence. They made serious inroads upon the consciousness of the planetary complex, particularly the poison thought of holy war, which is now well embraced by all cultures and people which is the notion that um, uh, divine, <laughs> benevolent divinity sanctions violence in its name. This is a big, big BS, and um, <laughs> divinely sanctioned violence is uh, Orion fiction from start to finish, but lots of humans have eaten it and believe it and live it, and, uh, you know, this is only for your own good. Or, you know, God told me to smite thine enemies and all that. These are uh, some of the serious inroads. So, uh, again, this is a long matter. We can unpack 1824 
at length. Uh, communications from a higher dimensional, very positive group, six, probably six density positive Yahweh confederation. The results of their interaction basically depend on the beginning orientation of the listener. Huh? When a snake drinks water, when a, when a cow drinks water, it turns to milk. When the snake drinks water, it turns to poison. Well, Yahweh Confederation provides the water, and uh, those who are positive um, make milk, and those who are negative make poison. Well, ain't that dandy? So that that's actually the tricky the tricky Council of Saturn and the Logos that wants to jump start and kick start upgrade you know move into a little shift to a higher gear this um, chron this group of chronic repeaters. And so this is um, 6D positive, naive, love over wisdom, <laughs> energy catalysis to jumpstart, kickstart, help move along those chronically uh, insufficiently polarized positive and negative. And so what happens is, this is just what I've said before, the Confederation has designs of which, I'm sorry, the, Lo the, the Council of Saturn, and the Logos has designs of which the Confederation doesn't quite know. And they participate in their naive way, uh, making mistakes, right? Yahweh was mistaken in its attempts to aid. Uh, grievous error. Grievous, um, they've used that word before in describing the results of their intervention. Uh, and so... Uh, that's a serious. These are serious matters. Yet, um, the naive, the the love of our wisdom naivete that leads the confederation to these, um, you know, well-intentioned but um, uh, poor or disastrous in consequence interventions. Uh, they're being allowed to do that because of the long-term uh, salubrious effect. And I wouldn't even say positive. <laughs> it's, it's evolutionarily salubrious, meaning good, <laughs> for the souls that are positive to become more positive and the souls that are negative to get more, po more negative. And that's exactly what's going on. Um, what the Confederation Yahweh didn't know is that the results of the interaction would depend on the nature of uh, the one drinking the water, the nature of the orientation of the humans hearing it. So those who were more positive uh, became more positive. Those who were somewhat negative, it's a raw, you know, raw is a little uh, slippery here, the language here, where the entities of free will had chosen a less positively oriented configuration. How about saying a negative orientation? Let's, let's call a spade a spade. There were people around Moses. Uh, there were people there. There were people everywhere that, that like power, control, domination. They just don't care about others that much. Uh, and they had chosen a more, po a more negatively oriented uh, configuration, a more negative orientation. And then uh, the result of that was that um, Orion got them. Orion was able to make serious inroads on the consciousness of the planetary complex thanks to the Confederation. Thanks to 
the Council of Saturn okaying it, thanks to the Logos, which okayed the Council of Saturn's okay of the Confederation. That's how it goes. That's interesting, no? <laughs> I hope you're listening, my good friends. 1825, can you tell me specifically what allowed the most serious of these inroads to be made by the Orion Group? What allowed it was <laughs> the naive... Uh, uh, love over wisdom bias of the Sixth Density Confederation group Yahweh and the rest of the Confederation that okayed it and the Council of Saturn that okayed it and the Logos that okayed the Council of Saturn green lighting it. Got it? The Logos um, you know, thy will be done is, is the mandate of the Council of Saturn. The Council of Saturn okays green lights or not Confederation proposals. Confederation proposals come after the Confederation uh, confederating, <laughs> confabbing, or uh, discussing among themselves uh, the formulation of proposals to offer to the Council of Saturn for intervention. So it was by Confederation uh, agreement to accept Yahweh's proposal, <laughs> which was love over wisdom naive, yet accepted by the Council in accord with the will of the Logos, that led to Orion making serious inroads upon the consciousness of the planetary complex, we have to assume the Logos um, is okay with that. That we can even dare to say, perhaps, that the Logos um, wished it to be Allowed it to be is not too much different than wishing it to be when you have the choice to say no. So not saying no, allowing it to be, not much different than wishing it to be, is that the Logos, perhaps, it seems, wished that Orion would make greater serious inroads upon the consciousness of humanity. Why? Not to hurt anyone, but basically as a um, strong catalyst for further self-directed polarization, positive-negative developments, choosing of the path of for these uh, chronic 3D repeaters. That's my take. Uh, and so Don uh, Raw explains a little bit more detail, 1825, meaning um, what allowed the most serious of these inroads, and I say the Logos allowed it. I have no doubt the Logos allowed it. So, you take it up with the Logos if you have a problem. Me too, I will. Uh, what about all that? Ross says, specifically, those who are strong, intelligent, etc., have a temptation to feel different from those who are less strong and less intelligent and less strong. This is a distorted perception of oneness with other selves. It allowed the Orion group to form the concept of the Holy War, as you may call it. This is a seriously distorted perception. There were many of these wars of a destructive nature, or shall we say, by Scott, there are many of these wars continuing throughout the world of a destructive nature. And um, that's the result of the implantation of the seed thought of Holy War. The notion that divine, benevolent, supreme, universal power sanctions violence. 
No, sir, it doesn't. However, 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 it really is the logos that allowed these serious inroads to be made by the Orion Group. So maybe we can say that uh, the logos <laughs> uh, allows holy war, or the logos um, supports holy war. It'll take you on the negative path, and it'll lead you to hell <laughs> if you're not really on the negative path at the base of your beingness. So the logos will let you go to hell, no problem. Meanwhile, um, the logos also is the final, um, you know, is, is the, the, the buck stops there. That the final arbiter of what the Confederation is allowed to do, even naive and uh, with disastrous or grievous consequence, the final boss is the Logos. So this is really subtle and uh, long, long. So while, <coughs> while the concept of holy war is a seriously distorted perception, perception of oneness, distorted perception of holy, perception of, of, of the mind of the Logos. Um, despite that, at the relative level, it's extremely distorted. Um, the notion that, you know, God says, kill for me. Yet, 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 uh, because the Logos was the final arbiter, the final, um, the, the final sign-off, the, the first and final sign-off of what the Confederation was allowed to do, that led to holy wars, or, you know, distorted perceptions, violence of humanity, we can certainly say that the Logos allows it too. Not that the Logos wants it always, for sure, obviously. But the Logos allows all that is. All that occurs is allowed. If it weren't allowed, it would be prohibited and it just wouldn't occur, like the quarantine. But... This is very subtle, and maybe you can think about it for yourselves, but despite the reality that holy war is a very distorted perception, uh, which comes from the sense that, you know, those who are stronger and more intelligent than others uh, feel different, of course they're different. <laughs> they're more strong and they're more intelligent. But those are just physical, mental differences. That's not essential difference. Those are differences in time and space. It's the superior valuation, self, you know, it's the the um, the, uh, the aggregation of conceit, <clears throat> of the sense of superiority and elitism that is associated to their genuine stronger body, stronger mind, greater intelligence, greater strength. Those genuine uh, differences, they are different. And you can say it's superior. Strong body is superior to a weak body. Strong mind, intelligent mind, superior to a weak mind. Sure, no problem. But that doesn't mean better. It's the uh, moral valuation applied to that different, those differences of mind and body, that is the distortion. And that's not an understanding of unity. It's not an understanding of self too well either. It's also a totally distorted identification. I am my body. I am this big, strong body. I am this clever, clever mind. <laughs> that's a... That's a, uh, that's self-betrayal, my friend. That's self-betrayal. Anyway, um, I'm having fun. I hope you are too. Uh, a couple of questions at the end, and we don't need to get into them, about taking care of Carla. Uh, this was really hard on her body, um, and they really sacrificed a lot. And um, 
Carla really is saintly uh, to have offered herself for this communication, which gives us so much. So Ra's final comment, 1827, and it's great, we finished today. Ra says, I am one. I leave you in the love and the light of the one infinite creator. Go forth, therefore, rejoicing in the power and the peace of the one creator, Adonai. And so, <clears throat> thank you for being here tonight. I enjoyed it very much. I hope you did too. And uh, we'll talk more again next time. Take good care of yourselves, and good night.